Do we belong in space? I'm Michael Spencer Harmon, and you're listening to Real Philosophy, a show that argues all philosophy is vain until it gets real. It's an interesting question, isn't it? I don't mean, do we belong only in space? That would be ludicrous. We live here. I also don't mean, should we extend our presence into space? I'm not questioning or encouraging us to think about whether there's value in putting out probes and satellites. But instead, value to putting human beings in space. Is there value to human space exploration? Is there value to human space exploration? Not visiting. Is there value to putting human beings in a position where they are exploring space and the worlds in it? That's a tough question. It's an exciting question for some. And for others, it's a frivolous question. Well, we're here today on Real Philosophy in this program to discuss possible reasoning behind answers to that question. Is there value to human space exploration? We're gonna start with the yes side. And the yes side has a lot of reasons. The first reason is kind of a basic reason. It's the same reason that the United States went to the moon in the 60s. That reason is pride. Those who think we should go ahead and explore humanly might chalk it up to pride. If you go to Mars and you colonize Mars, That's a great source of pride for the country that accomplishes it. And that is true. Whatever country decides to go there and make it work would be the first to do so. And there's a lot of inherent pride into accomplishing something like that. However, If you're doing it for pride's sake, two main negatives might occur through that pursuit. One of them is waste. Think about how much effort it takes to sustainably place humans in an exploratory role in space long-term. 
It's a lot of energy, a lot of capital, a lot of resources being used to put human beings in space, on other worlds, or traveling to them back and forth. Another negative that might occur from pursuing it strictly for pride reasons would be war. If you are exploring space strictly to tout your own country's ability, it is not far-fetched to imagine that many other countries might find that provocative. For example, China is the first country to make it to Mars and form a sustainable colony. I can imagine the United States would be a little bit jealous about that. If we did it, I can imagine that Russia might be jealous of the United States. Conflict is inherent, almost, in pursuing something as one nation that other nations also want to pursue. And if that conflict grows too greatly, you could end up in some kind of war. I don't mean a catastrophic world-ending war, but war is not necessarily good, especially over something like that. So you have to consider the cause. Another reason, though, another positive reason for pursuing human space exploration would be for competition's sake. Someone who's greatly in favor of, say, capitalism would view this as a positive reason. It's possible that it is a positive reason. You spur competition, not just between nations, they would argue, but between private companies. Not just between governments, but enterprises to pursue this, to accomplish it, to supply it, to sustain it. Growth for business, perhaps. And there's some merit to that point as well. Thinking about, for example, SpaceX, They've done quite a bit, and they've encouraged quite a bit. They've accomplished quite a bit, and they're a private enterprise. That's not necessarily a good reason, though. The negative to that is that it would encourage private business at people's expense. And what do I mean by that? You may say, well, everybody benefits from going to Mars. No, not everybody does. Think about all of the money being spent, all of the energy and time and resource capital being used for a private enterprise for that purpose, for, say, going to Mars and colonizing it. Wouldn't that money and energy and amount of resources be better employed in the service of 
a majority of the people? In fact, it takes so much capital and so many resources to accomplish something like colonizing another planet that it's entirely possible you would exacerbate the wealth gap. In other words, the richer who are richer now would become even richer later. You would need to amass such vast capital to pull off a project like this. There wouldn't be a whole lot else to go around. And in order to do it, you would in fact be creating quite a bit of pollution. Think about how much exhaust is expelled from a rocket. Now imagine that continually happening to supply a colony on Mars. Not just to get there, but to supply it and sustain it. If you think the climate is bad now, imagine what that would do to further the problem. So, that's a counter to claiming competition is a good reason. Another positive for human space exploration would be for expansion, for empire, colonizing, even if you had, which it would no doubt take multiple nations in order to accomplish this goal, even if you had that, you would need to appeal to some sort of need to expand the human race. Many people often do this. They say, well, we're kind of overpopulating the planet. We need somewhere else to go. That's a compelling reason. The only problem is, what practical use is it to go to another planet that, quite frankly, is not like ours at all? You may say, well, we should go to one that is like ours just fine, except the nearest one really isn't sustainable. It takes, well, by the time we're ready to colonize, say, another planet, let's pick Mars. Even Mars would require a days-long, weeks-long rocket journey to supply. You need supplies, it's going to take a week, at least. That's assuming everything goes well. It'll also take a week for the rocket to return. So really, you're looking at, a, at multiple weeks between shipments just to sustain a colony on Mars. That's not the nearest planet like ours. The nearest planet like ours isn't even in this solar system. It's not even close. So you're talking about even best case scenario, months to supply 
a colony on a planet like ours. Months between supplies. That's assuming we can find one and get there and make it work. But if we can't and we want to colonize Mars, what practical use is that? Do a little homework on the conditions on Mars and you'll find that it's almost completely uninhabitable, even if there's a water supply. Why? Temperature changes, climate changes, weather is extreme. What practical use is that? Back when the explorers colonized the New World, there were places that were hostile. Yes, nobody decided to live in Canada unless it was in the southern part of that now existing country. No one said, wow, North Pole, perfect place to colonize. Let's go there. But you know what? Temperatures are just as extreme, if not worse, on Mars. That's a big deal. And then even if you could do that, let's say it's a strong enough desire to expand into Mars that it forms major colonies, you know, major entities of a multinational project. What happens when those nations back here on Earth don't get along? What if something changes here on Earth and they don't get along? Then we've got conflict, not just down here, but for stuff up there. That could get dicey. And in addition to that, you've got to figure out who goes to that other planet, who goes to Mars. We're now obviously defaulting to Mars. It could be another planet, but again, those are far enough away. I don't know that that would be realistic. Who goes to Mars? You've got to find a balance between risking the very best, the most capable people who could still die, and maybe people you don't really want here on Earth who would be more likely to die, even. So you're either risking your best people or you're striking a middle ground and not entirely sure whether they're going to be productive enough or you want the people whom you don't want on Earth to be on Mars. And that not only risks life, but frankly, it's a bit cruel and inhumane. And honestly, if that's the position that someone holds, they might be as bad as the people they wish to send out there. So if you're talking about expansion for going to Mars, you've got a lot to consider there, a lot of negatives. A lot of counters. The final positive reason we're going to cover, final reason for saying, yes, let's go to 
Mars. Let's put people out there long term. The last reason is a pretty commonly cited reason, and that would be for scientific reasons, for a scientific cause. This advances the cause of science. Many do argue now and would argue in the future. That's a perfectly good reason. But remember, we're talking about beyond roving. We're not talking about sending out robots or sending out probes or sending out things that we can control remotely from here. We're talking about putting people on another planet long term for scientific causes. Okay. One counter to that would be scientific reasons would only go so far. If that's the reason you're going to Mars, then how sustainable is it? How often are you going out there? Is that really a colony? Can you really call that a colony where people live and work and play and eat? raise families, that kind of stuff. I'm not so sure. So even though science could be a perfectly good reason, it might not be a good enough reason for human colonization. Sure, you can take scientists with you, and they can do all that work, and they can do much good. But that's not really a substantial reason for going out there and colonizing, continuing the human race in another place in the cosmos. Even if it were, there would be an, what I'll call an applicability gamble. How do you know that what you're going to find there is really applicable? It has a use, has a purpose. We don't know that. We have no idea what we're going to find. We might have some ideas, but once we get there in person, if people are necessary, then we don't know. And even if we do know, and even if we do find good things, eventually, at some point, we'll keep finding not new stuff. It might just get a little old hat. And then the reason for being out there stops. Do you really want to start colonizing when you can't keep it up? We're talking about colonizing here. Remember, we're not talking about general scientific reasons to go out there and visit for a few days and come back and be okay. We're talking about a reason to stay out there and be a colony. So again, science, as good as it can be, might not be a good enough reason to colonize. And that brings us to the next main position. These people would probably argue Sorry, overall, there really is no value to human space exploration. And apart from their counters before, 
they would have their own reasons. Firstly, trying to pull this off, trying to colonize other planets and sustain them, sustain those colonies, fraught with failures. Absolutely fraught with failures. More failure than success, they might argue. a convincing reason if you're already in the no camp. But a quick survey of history and scientific advancement and human development would suggest you can't succeed without failing. You simply cannot succeed unless you fail. Sometimes it's once, sometimes it's a hundred times. Sometimes it's more than that. But you cannot succeed unless you fail. The question is whether the success outweighs all of the failure. And those who are in favor of colonizing places like Mars would say, absolutely, you have another place to live as a human race. What could possibly outweigh that in context? No success happens without failure. So just because you can fail doing it doesn't mean that you should say no. Well, okay. But what if that failure was a significant loss of life? We shouldn't even bother humanly exploring space because of the risk of loss of life. So many people will die in new places, new contexts, unknown risks. How many people? I don't know. Many people. Even 10 in 100 is too much. Yes. Okay. But we need to put it in context. If that's your reason for saying no, that people are going to die, well, you shouldn't do anything related to exploration at all. Colonizing the New World cost thousands of lives at a time when the population was much smaller. So a higher proportion of people died in new world exploration than probably would die now. And even if, even if the proportion were the same, you're not talking about putting people out there who know they can't survive and are going to die. Those are not the type of people that are willing to risk their lives to go out there. The people who would be willing to do that would knowingly be appreciating and understanding that risk. If we allow only people who can understand the risk of colonizing Mars to go to Mars, then you have to admit that there is some mitigation to the possibility of their death. 
If you don't like that, well, perhaps we'll revisit that position in a discussion on military staffing or police staffing or fire department staffing. All of these services, all of these industries, these areas of human life require sacrifice, even to the point of death, sometimes. The question is, again, does the value of the success outweigh the failures? Those who risk their lives, and I don't mean people who misuse their authority, I mean people who honestly exercise their authority rightly within confines, who want to risk their lives for the sake of their service, know that their service is greater than the possibility of their failure and even their death. The same kind of people would be sent out to colonize other planets. The same type of people. So there is a willful risk. It's not a blind risk. So loss of life sounds like a reason to say no. But ultimately, it probably isn't a good enough one. Well, if they don't lose their lives, someone might say, a lot of money's going to be lost. It's too expensive. You can't do it. You just can't do it. We don't even have enough money to feed all of the citizens in the United States right now. Maybe we do, but we're not using it right. Do you really want to waste money on something like that? When we could use it for other causes? See how this keeps coming up? Other causes could be better addressed with the kind of capital you would need to pull off a colony on Mars, let alone multiple colonies on other planets? It's too expensive. Well, the counter to that naysayer point is that costs always decrease with time and proficiency. The more you practice something, the better you get at it. The more you use something, the better you can use it. The more you research something, the more you know about it. Costs decrease from their initial starting points as a project becomes more efficient. In other words, yes, it might be very, very expensive right now. But by the time we're able to learn enough to pull it off, to colonize on another planet, those costs would gradually decrease to the point of being a part of normal expenditure for either separate countries or a multinational project. 
So if you really want the cost to go down, what you need to do is keep it up, not stop it or never try. Yeah, you know, but I just, I just can't get over the fact that we have so many other domestic issues the naysayer might, might purport. We have so many other domestic issues that we need to resolve with this money and this energy and this expenditure. We need to solve those things first. We need to solve, for example, hunger, poverty, uh, unjust incarceration, they might say. Issues with the climate here on Earth. The point is, Earth has enough of its problems that haven't been resolved yet. You need to resolve Earth's problems before you can expect to address any other problems on another planet. That's a pretty strong argument. That's a pretty strong no-thank-you human space exploration argument. However, which ones can actually be resolved? Which ones can be resolved in a timely or cost-efficient manner? See, I'm not so sure that you can argue, for example, that the, the climate needs to be completely fixed before you can go to Mars. Well, number one, you can do both. Number two, I'm not so sure that you could resolve the climate before you would need to go to Mars. Because guess what? People are going to keep living and they're going to keep proportionally populating this planet. Pretty soon the domestic issue might best be resolved by having sustainable colonies elsewhere. So there's a question of feasibility when you're talking about this blanket statement that all domestic issues, or even some domestic issues, should be resolved prior to colonization of another planet. Which brings us to the maybes. Ah, the wonderful maybes. Cautiously optimistic, hesitatingly negative, <laughs> the maybes, the quote-unquote middle grounders. First thing someone who is a maybe might say, would be, okay, I understand that there are reasons for and against human space exploration. However, you shouldn't really do it. You shouldn't really do it unless the negatives 
that you've just discussed for both the yes and the no sides are no longer issues. You can go to Mars. Just make sure you handle all of these possible negatives first. Think about that. Think about that position. How impractical is that position? You'd better resolve all the negatives, all the possible negatives, before you do anything at all. Number one, that's time-consuming. Number two, that's highly impractical. Number three, that's functional denial. You might as well just say no. If you're going to say maybe because you want all the negatives off the table, a riskless enterprise, you might as well say no. Another reason that maybes might offer in response to that is, okay, I know we can't take care of all the negatives, but we should only go if authorities all agree that we should go. Doesn't matter what those authorities are, if it's popular voting, if it's the scientists themselves, if it's the people creating the rockets and fueling them and funding them, if they all agree that we should go, only then should we go. This is something called an appeal to authority. It's a, it's a basic fallacy. It basically argues, well, if authority believes something, then I can believe it. There are certain key problems with an appeal to authority. One of them is that the authority can be wrong. Just because you believe an authority is justified doesn't mean that they can't be wrong. Doesn't mean that they are infallible all the time. And especially with something as risky and precarious as colonizing another planet, you better make sure that that authority is correct, which means you cannot just blindly agree to agree with authority if they say colonization should happen. And even if you did that, they could be over-idealistic. They couldn't just be wrong. They could be over-idealistic, wanting it to be the case that it would be a good idea without realizing it, without realizing that there's negatives to that that they did not foresee. So accountability has to happen. You cannot just blindly say, well, they did their due diligence. I believe that, therefore we should go. That could be a problem. There needs to be accountability for authority. Otherwise, you end up with this, what I'll call, Oz Curtain. Great and powerful wizard of Oz. Claiming all of these wonderful things. Or maybe frightful things, just to put you in line. And all you really have to do is pull back a curtain and realize, well, they're just using this machinery to surprise you and intimidate you and convince you that they're correct. 
So there has to be some accountability. You cannot just claim, I'm an expert. I know that we should go to Mars. You could be wrong. You could be over-idealistic. You could have your own reasons for wanting to do it that we may never know. So there has to be accountability for authority. That's not going to be a good enough reason to say, well, maybe we should go. The last reason someone might say, well, maybe. I won't say yes, we should go. I won't say no, we should go. But perhaps we should. Perhaps we should. If there's a severe humanitarian need. This is an interesting position. A severe humanitarian need. For example, overpopulation. We need to pursue this only if we cannot make the population sustainable here on Earth. Or, we should pursue colonization only if we cannot ensure that everyone here will have enough to eat. Or, enough space to live. Only if there is a great need for human beings to be there, should we be there. Number one, the problem with that is you have to deal with all of the counters that we've already discussed. If someone came up to a maybe holder and said, well, there is a humanitarian need. We're going to overpopulate this planet. You would still then have to choose a side. Number one. Number two, even if it could be proven that there's a severe humanitarian need, for someone who holds the maybe position, balancing between yes and no, on the fence all the time, to be fully convinced of that severe need, by then, it would be too late. Too late to pursue a colonization of other worlds policy. Too late. It takes too much capital, too much investment, too much time, too much loss, too much research, too much work in general for it to just be enacted as soon as you are fully convinced there is a severe humanitarian need. It would be too late. You need to plan way far in advance for that. Hmm. Looks like, once again, every position has a rational basis, but every position can also have its counters. Where are you on this? It's a real issue. It's a real issue. We will need to address this. We're already partially addressing it now, but we will need to really address this at least in the next decade or two. Is this something we're going to pursue long-term or is it not? Where are you on this? Let me know. And in the meantime, happy thinking. Real Philosophy is written and produced by me, Michael Spencer Harmon. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Real Philosophy. If you'd like to get in contact, you can send an email to realphilosophypodcast at gmail.com. That's realphilosophypodcast, one word, at gmail.com. You can also look the show up on Twitter at realphilpodcast. Thanks very much. And if you do like the show, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.